We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is Lakers Nation Live. The Lakers, they come up short against the Clippers tonight, 127-116. The Clippers get the win. No LeBron James for this one. LeBron out, uh, missing due to an ankle injury that the Lakers are managing. Darvin Ham said he would be day-to-day moving forward. You knew there were going to be some some games that LeBron was going to need, uh, need to miss in order to uh, just manage injuries, his overall health, where he's at in terms of exhaustion and all of that. 39 years old, he's not going to be able to play every game, but the Lakers certainly missed him in this one. Again, dropping this game to the Clippers. On the plus side, Lakers are still 2-1 and one on the against the Clippers on the season, so we'll certainly take that. But with this loss, the Lakers once again below 500. The trade deadline, it draws near. we got a lot to talk about on this show. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about the upcoming trade deadline. What's the latest there? A lot of things for us to break down. So let's get right into it here. Um, I'm already seeing a lot of questions and comments coming in from the chat. Let's start here. Uh, Sean Davis, Screaming Davis said, since we missed out on Lowry, uh, who's the who would help with rebounding? And at least give me something to watch while we lose. I don't know if there's anybody that is going to help a ton with rebound. And obviously the Lakers, they're not going to try to lose games. Um, they're not going to be losing games if they're making trades. They're going to be trying to make trades that are going to put them over the top, that are going to help them win games. Uh, the Lakers certainly didn't miss out on Kyle Lowry. That's no question. But yeah, <laughs> they could wind up still getting him on the buyout market. Uh, Mission 86. No bueno, but at least we were close. Next. Yeah. Look, this was, I thought the Lakers were a bit better than I expected them to be. They were the heavy underdog in this one. They showed fight. I thought that they may come back and actually get a win. I was just saying, hey, if you can be within five with like five minutes left and you give yourself a shot at least to come back, okay, we'll take it. We'll take it. But the Lakers in this game, they got to about within five with five minutes left, and then the Clippers surged ahead. The Clippers kept scoring. The Lakers couldn't get stops, and then the Lakers couldn't convert on their own end. So 
That was unfortunate. You look at this game, though. You look at the stats. Anthony Davis, 26 and 12. D'Angelo Russell, 27 points, 10 assists, 4 of 10 from deep, 9 to 21 shooting. People will be frustrated. D'Lo missed some big shots late. But still, still, I thought he had a, a really nice game. And the Lakers aren't there otherwise. I know people say double-digit loss is not that close. Yes, it was a loss by 11, but it was close down the stretch. And that's what I was looking for here. Can you keep it close down the stretch, given that the Clippers were red hot all night long? They finished shooting 59% from the field and 52% from three. Really hard to win a game when your opponent shoots that well. There were some plays where the Lakers' defense was just bad, especially in the second quarter. I thought the Lakers did a terrible job defensively, and that's part of the reason why the Clippers have such strong shooting numbers. There were also some shots that I thought the Lakers did a great job contesting, and the Clippers just hit some tough shots. So it's a little bit of both here. I thought the Lakers did what I was hoping they would do in this game in terms of giving themselves an opportunity to where if they go on a run over the final five minutes or so, they could maybe steal a win without LeBron James. They put themselves in that position. Then they just couldn't make the plays or get the stops down the stretch that they needed to get. So that was unfortunate. Uh, but I wasn't disappointed that they put themselves in the position that they did. Uh, Gabriel said it will hurt to trade D'Lo, but it will hurt worse to lose him for nothing in the offseason. So that's the challenge with D'Angelo Russell. We're seeing D'Angelo Russell. He's averaging 27 points per game since coming back into the starting lineup. And that's it's now been six games. He's shooting the hell out of the basketball. He's shooting, a, this is a guess here, because he was at like 54% from three. Shot 40% from three this game. So I'm guessing he's probably about 50% from three since coming back into the starting lineup. Shooting uh, pretty solid from the field, 9-21 to 21 in this one. 10 assists. He did have five turnovers. But D'Lo's been great. And so when you see D'Angelo Russell playing well, that's not a guy that you want to say, hey, let's trade this guy away. When he's hitting big, tough shots, he's making big plays. You don't want to trade that guy away. But the problem for the Lakers, it's that player option. It's that player option. If he didn't have that player option on his contract, you wouldn't have that risk attached of he could walk away this summer. If he doesn't pick up that player option, if he continues playing this well, which would be great. It would be great to see him continue to play this well. But the problem you run into over the summer is that D'Lo then opts out of his player option. He wants to cash in. He wants a bigger contract, which means you got to pay him more. And the Lakers are already going to be up against that second-tier apron. Might make it tough filling out the rest of your roster. Or he walks to another team that offers him more. And then you lose him for nothing. So that's the danger. And that's part of the incentive for the Lakers to trade D'Angelo Russell. It's not like they are desperate to trade D'Lo because he's just killing them on the floor. No, he's playing really well right now. D'Angelo Russell absolutely is. He went through a slump in December, a little bit into January. He's broken out of that slump now, and we're seeing D'Angelo Russell play some high-level basketball. But the truth is still, his contract says you have to look at trade options. You just do. And it, I don't like it. I don't like I wish there was a way just to say, you know what? We're going to keep him. We're going to somehow extend his contract or something. Can't do it, though. So if the Lakers don't want to risk losing him for nothing in July, you've got to explore the trade market. You have to. And then on top of that, on top of that, you've got to factor in what is feasible come playoff time. I think in this game, we saw the Clippers switch hunting the Lakers to death. Well, guess what's going to happen in the playoffs? D'Lo, Reeves, to a lesser extent, Torian Prince, they're going to get switch hunted. 
they're going to. It's why I don't think a D'Lo Reeves, Torian Prince starting lineup is feasible in the long haul. It's not going to work. You don't get enough stops defensively. And by the way, you want to talk a little bit about some evidence that Darvin picked the wrong starting lineup here. Jared Vanderbilt, did you see what happened when the Clippers were trying to go at Austin? The Clippers are trying to go at D'Lo and Vando's out there on the floor. He was able to come over and help and still rotate back to his man. Was it perfect? No. But there was a big difference when Jared Vanderbilt was out there and Austin's getting picked on defensively and when it's Torian Prince. And that's not a knock on Torian Prince. Torian Prince shouldn't be in that position, shouldn't be asked to play that kind of a role. I thought we saw in this game evidence for why Jared Vanderbilt needs to be in that starting lineup, particularly if you want to keep starting D'Angelo Russell, who's been playing great, and Austin Reeves. That's the way it is. That's what I saw in this game. And by the way, it is so fun to see Jared Vanderbilt back to being himself. The last three games, he finally looks like himself. After being hurt for much of the season, he looks like he's back to being Vando. Seven offensive rebounds tonight in this one. He was all over the place. Yes, there's still some, you know, he's handling the ball in transition. That's an adventure in and of itself. He's struggling to hang on to the ball at the rim. There's other negatives that are going to come with Jared Vanderbilt, but the defense that we saw from him in this game, being everywhere on the glass, he showed you what he can bring when he's healthy. That was good to see. Andrew said, D'Lo, Austin Reeves, Prince lineups do nothing for, for Reeves, D'Lo's weaknesses. Yep, I, I'm right there with you. That's exactly what I was just talking about. Also, don't commit to switching on the perimeter so fast. Uh, not too upset with the loss, though, honestly, good fight without LeBron. So that's a good point. The And this was Keith Smith that I talked about this on the front office show. Uh, I believe it was yesterday. This is... This is one of the things you see in the NBA where teams give up switches very easily. Like before a team even has to set a screen, they just they just give up the switch and say, okay, no problem. That can be frustrating too. You'd like to see teams fight a little bit, make a team actually do something to generate a switch rather than just put two players kind of close together and okay, we'll just we'll go ahead and give up the switch. So I agree with that one. Let's see what else we've got here. We always beat ourselves, and guys have so many weaknesses in their game. Man, why can't, uh, why we can't win anything? Uh, compound that with bad coaching. Uh, you have what we have, and AD can't get looks in the fourth. Please fire him. That's, that's part of this that we need to talk about here. No looks for Anthony Davis. Look, the Clippers were doing a, some interesting things defensively against AD. If you saw him, in most of the game, even when they had a big on the floor and they have they have Plumlee out there, they had Tice out there, they weren't defending Anthony Davis. They would have someone else. They would have Kawhi. They would have James Harden. They had Russell Westbrook defending AD. And then the big would be defending Jared Vanderbilt and would come over on the double to try to give AD big arms to try to pass over. And actually, it worked to a degree. So the Clippers got a little creative with their defense on Anthony Davis. They did have some success there. But I do think the Lakers needed to find Anthony Davis a bit more in the fourth quarter. In fact, he, he didn't get very many touches at all, especially down the stretch. It was a lot of D'Angelo Russell trying to create stuff. And AD, he's your guy. You've got to find ways to get him touches on the ball. If nothing else, even if the Clippers are going to send the double, okay, trust AD to pass out of that, and you're going to generate open looks. 
If a team sends a double at Anthony Davis, if you pass out of that correctly, if you react to it correctly, you're going to get an open shot out of it more often than not. So accept that they're going to double him, give him the ball anyway, and trust AD to pass out of it rather than try to generate something else that doesn't wind up being a wide open look. That's what I'd like to see from, from this Lakers team. And I think it's going to fit in with that narrative that Anthony Davis just disappears down the stretch. I think a lot of it tonight wasn't necessarily on AD. That was on the Lakers not forcing the issue and getting Anthony Davis the basketball. They allowed the Clippers to kind of take him out of the game defensively, and that was a big problem down the stretch. Uh, somebody's saying in the, in the chat, AD looked furious down the stretch. Yeah, and he should. And he should. He should look upset. He should look frustrated. Right, because you want to win. AD's been great. He's been great this season. The stat that's been going around has been that, that nobody over the last year has played more games than Anthony Davis. You can talk about a guy that's dealt with all kinds of injuries. He's been, knock on wood, healthy so far this season. Been playing in a lot of games. And he's going to be frustrated when he can't get wins. He's going to be frustrated in situations like this where he's not getting the ball when he needs to. Lakers have got to be better. Fighting him with the basketball. Killraven said, Clippers were feasting on Austin Reeves' defense. Uh, need Alex Caruso, Dorian Finney-Smith, ASAP. Well, the Clippers were definitely switch hunting. And again, get ready for more of that come playoff time. That's what teams do a lot in the playoffs when you can prepare for one specific team and you're going to see them for a week and a half or however long you're going to see them for. The Clippers were doing a nice job trying to exploit the Lakers' defensive weaknesses. I thought the Lakers did a better job covering that when Jared Vanderbilt was, was out on the floor. Kawhi was red hot. He does this every once in a while when he plays the Lakers. He has these crazy shooting games, 11 for 16 in this one, and he was just hitting all kinds of pull-ups. Some of that is on uh, is on the Lakers. Some of that's on Austin, sure, to be a better, a stronger defensive player. Some of that's also on the Lakers to try to figure out a way to mitigate that problem. I don't think it's it's reasonable to ask Austin Reeves to defend Kawhi Leonard just like you wouldn't think it's reasonable to allow uh, D'Angelo Russell to defend him either. The Clippers were getting switches that were getting that matchup. The Lakers needed to do a better job, as I thought they did when Jared Vanderbilt was on the floor, to either get themselves out of that, to double, to do something else other than just, oh, sorry, Austin, you're on an island. Go defend Kawhi Leonard. That's just not reasonable. Siraharo said, why did Ham not call a timeout during the 11-0 Clippers run in the fourth? It's 108-110 before that run. He can easily call a timeout to stop the momentum. Welcome to the season. That's been all season. All season. That's been, that's been an issue. Darvin Ham doesn't take timeouts uh, when you would think he would to try to kill momentum. Been a problem. Been a problem. You see other teams taking timeouts all the time. Ty Lue did it a bunch. Every time the Lakers went on a little run, boom, timeout. Do what they can to stop the momentum. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's it's his plan. He said in the past, Darvin Ham has said, the reason why he doesn't use timeouts is because he wants to save them for down the stretch so that he doesn't have to take LeBron, doesn't have to take Anthony Davis out of the game. Instead, he can call timeouts to get them the rest that they need. That's what he said. 
Doesn't use them. Doesn't use them. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating. You know what? I know Phil Jackson did this. Phil Jackson did this where he wouldn't call a timeout. He would let the guys try to figure it out on their own. And that's fine. But that's Phil Jackson. Tell you what, Darvin Ham is not Phil Jackson. Darvin Ham is not Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson is the greatest coach ever. That's not Darvin Ham. He shouldn't be employing Phil Jackson strategies and expecting them to work for him. You're not Phil Jackson. And this team isn't at a point where you can let it go and say they'll figure it out. The Nuggets right now, if I was Mike Malone, I'd be comfortable. You know, they'll figure it out. That's a team that's been together for a while. They just won a championship. They know how to get the looks they need. They know how to get the stops they need. They know exactly where their looks are going to come from. That's a team that has that, right? That cohesiveness, that chemistry. There's teams like that in the NBA right now. The Lakers are not one of those teams for a variety of reasons. The Lakers are not one of those teams. The Lakers are one of those teams where the coach needs to hold their hand a little bit. And if the other team goes on a run, the coach needs to step in, call a timeout, stop the run, stop the momentum, come up with a good play to run out of the timeout that's going to get you a good look to get a bucket and stop that momentum. That's where this Lakers team is right now. They're not the team that you can just take your hands off the wheel and say, oh, you know what? They'll figure it out. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen with this group right now. It's been one of the more frustrating parts of the season, seeing the lack of timeout usage to stop runs from opponents. They just don't do it. Uh, Mdred said, no excuse for Braun. Hate losing to the Clips. So look, this is LeBron... I'd imagine this was something that was scheduled well in advance since we heard yesterday that he was going to be out for this game. They picked certain games that they're going to rest him, that they're going to try to allow him to recover from injury. I'm sure the NBA wasn't thrilled that their big rivalry week game, right? Lakers, Clippers on TNT. Oh, LeBron's out. I'm sure the NBA wasn't thrilled with that. But it is what it is. And look, if this ultimately gets you LeBron for the bulk of the season, if he can stay healthy, if he can, if he was feeling worn down, then maybe you have to do it. And it's just the reality of coming with it that comes with a 39-year-old player. It's just how it goes. Um, if that's the case, then so be it. But maybe this is a win if LeBron plays. Maybe. AW. Said, if the Lakers front office are so insistent on keeping Ham, should we just write this season off? I'm tired, man. He's been here for a year and a half. Uh, he's still telling players to overhelp. All right. Let me say this. So we're gonna look at we're gonna look at trades, of course. And we're gonna talk plenty about trades. We're gonna talk about what the Lakers' options are on the trade market. Okay, we're going to spend plenty of time on that. We're going to explore all of that. But let's let's just be honest. A trade, it, it's not going to fix everything. It's not going to fix everything. They can make trades. They can make they can make a trade. They can go get DeJounte Murray 
they can get an upgrade somewhere and it will help. But let's be honest. If they keep overhelping into the paint and giving up wide open threes, if that doesn't get fixed, if the rotations don't get fixed, if we keep seeing defensive rotations that don't work, offensive rotations that don't work because you're playing a bunch of offensive players and no defenders, you're playing a bunch of defensive players, no offensive players, rather than mixing and matching with what you got. Yes, you need two-way players, but you know what? You don't have a lot of those right now. So that means you got to mix and match more. You got to take your defensive guys, your offensive guys, and you got to mix them up so they can help each other out. They can help cover up each other's deficiencies. If that kind of stuff is still happening, if you're not managing the game, not calling timeouts, trade isn't going to get the Lakers where they want to go. More than just a trade has to happen here. Changes have to be made in terms of what is happening in the decision-making process. That's my belief. A trade may help, but it's not going to fix this. If this, this lineup is not being used optimally, the Lakers are not being uh, being deployed in an optimal way. It's not going to fix everything. More has got to happen in order for that for that to take place. I do think they need to be aggressive on the trade market. I do think there is going to be opportunities for them to make a move that can help. That can help. And I think there may be opportunities for them to make a move that may not damage your future flexibility much either. And that's going to be important for this team. That's going to be an important thing for the front office to figure out how all in for right now do you really want to go? Those are important questions that they're going to have to answer within the next couple of weeks here before we get to that February 8th trade deadline. But unless we see some other changes with the scheme and everything else, there's going to be some tough questions asked this summer. Some tough decisions are going to have to be made this summer unless some of this changes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Joseph said, man, D'Lo gets good, look good. 
how do you trade him when he's on while you watch the end of the fourth? If you can get Murray, you go for it. Lowry and a first to the Hawks. D'Lo and Max to the Hornets and Murray to the Lakers. Okay. So Lowry goes to the Hawks. Three-team trade. Really important. Kyle Lowry, the Hornets will indeed try to move him. He can't be combined with any other players. So I believe that's being accomplished here. You can't take Lowry and another player off the Hornets and send them out in a trade. Now that he's now that the deal's done, can't do that. You can trade him by himself, though. So this would work. Lowry in a first to the Hawks. D'Lo and Max goes to the Hornets. Now, the first round pick, I'm the Hawks are going to want more than that. The Hawks are going to want more than that. So it would have to be Lowry and a first goes to the Hawks. By the way, that's you've got the Hawks would have to send something else out there. They're accepting too much salary with Lowry coming in. I want to say he's at like 28 million. Murray's only at 18. So you'd have to have more salary going out from Atlanta. So maybe that would be a little bit of a, a sticky point. But essentially what we've heard, the deal would be, and I don't know that this deal is actually going to get done. And we'll see as we get closer to the trade deadline. But D'Lo, first round pick, pick swap, JHS. That's That's what the deal would be. That's what the Lakers would be sending out. If you can get Lowry into it and you can make the math work and you have enough salary coming out from Atlanta, maybe that's a possibility there. In this scenario, you're giving up Max to the Hornets as well in order to make this happen and get and get Murray. Now, again, he doesn't have JHS in this, so maybe you know you could swap out Max to JHS. By the way, I'm curious, chat, who would you rather keep right now? If you had to put, let's say you had to put a player into a trade. JHS is on the first year of his rookie contract with 17th pick. Max Christie is a restricted free agent this summer. Which player would you rather put into a deal? If you could. If you have to put in one more player in order to make something happen. I'm seeing a lot of people say, keep Max. I think I agree. I would keep Max. And I'm not totally out on, on JHS. But I think Max could very well be the Lakers shooting guard of the future. I don't know for sure on JHS. He may very well. I think for JHS this summer, when he gets to summer league, that's going to be really important to see his growth there. I'm not totally out on JHS, but right now I think you got to keep you got to keep Max. So anyway, this is this is the deal that you would have to make if you're the Lakers if you want Dejounte Murray. And then you have to ask the question: If D'Lo is playing this well, is it how much of an upgrade is it? to get to Jonte Murray, or is it just getting a guy who's under contract for four years and maybe is a little bit better than D'Lo? But when D'Lo's putting up 27 points a game, how much better does it make you? Maybe he's a better fit defensively, certainly. If you're going to keep Austin Reeves, that fit with Murray is probably better than certainly the D'Lo and Reeves fit, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Davion Nelson said, I'm not mad at this loss, and I think Vando needs to start over Reeves. Okay, so you've got, in that scenario, you would have D'Lo, you would have Vando at the three, Torian Prince at the two, which actually, I believe, I don't have to dig into the advanced numbers, but I believe Torian actually rates out fairly well at the two. And that does make some sense. You'd have a very big lineup. You would have Jared Vanderbilt to mitigate D'Angelo Russell uh, and any defensive concerns he's got. And then you've got, of course, Anthony Davis and LeBron James at the four and the five. That's a fairly sensible lineup. 
Now, I think the Lakers are are all in on Austin Reeves. They're not going to just pull him out of the lineup again. They've already kind of yanked his minutes around quite a bit this season and his role around quite a bit. But that, I'll tell you this, that lineup makes more sense than Austin D'Lo Torian. For sure. If you want to swap out Austin, you want to swap out D'Lo, you want to swap out Torian, put in Bando, you need to pull out one of those three at the very least. Uh, Julian said, Ham will be this uh, will be this team's weakness regardless of who's traded. D'Lo has been so great. How do you trade away what he brings when LeBron is out? He's our fourth option and people treat him as if he's our first. Please, no more Vando fast breaks. I'm right there with you, Julian. The Vando fast breaks, they are quite an adventure. But it's hard to trade D'Angelo Russell when he's playing this well. Especially, and this is what, you know, I talked about this on the show earlier today on the podcast. If another team is telling you, well, we'll take D'Lo, but you got to give us something to take him. That doesn't feel great because that's what we're hearing is out there right now. Teams are saying, I guess we'll take D'Lo, but we don't like the player option. So you have to pay us to take him. D'Lo's playing great basketball right now. I don't think there's any way the Lakers should view him as a guy that they need to pay to get off of his contract. The only way you even consider it is if it's in a trade where you feel like you're getting a key long-term fit for your team. That's the only way you even consider like, okay, if you really don't want to take on Delo's contract, we'll toss in a second or something. Otherwise, if it's like something around Bruce Brown or something like that, forget it. Just let D'Lo figure out what he's going to do with his player option over the summer. It's not ideal, but it's not the end of the world either. I'm certainly not desperate to move off of D'Angelo Russell right now. Yes, it would be probably better if you could use him to get an upgrade right now. There's some problems that come with trading him too because you have to replace his skill set. You have to get another guard into your rotation. You can't just lose D'Lo and have Austin and LeBron as your only guards. We've seen that. That doesn't work. We've seen it. So you do have to replace D'Angelo Russell's skill set. It's hard to trade a guy and get back kind of the same skill set. That's where DeJounte Murray kind of fits because he can still play that guard position for you. Maybe Gabe Vincent coming back helps you out there a little bit, but I don't think you can necessarily be certain that he's going to come back and be good for you. We'll see. I mean, he's probably going to come back after the All-Star break at this point. So a D'Angelo Russell trade is tough. It may be necessary. But it's a tricky one for the Lakers to figure out. And again, if opposing teams are telling you you got to pay more just to get D'Lo off your roster, he's not Russell Westbrook. Come on. That's where if I'm the Lakers, unless it's something where I'm getting a key piece for the future, I just say, nah, forget it. Nah, forget it. I hang on to him. And then see what happens. You know, and I'm at the point right now, too, where if D'Angelo Russell opts in to his deal, great. I'd be happy with that. 18 million for D'Angelo Russell next year. Sign me up. I'd take that in a heartbeat. And then you've got a very movable contract too next year. If you decide, you know what? D'Lo's going to be our guy for the next, maybe he opts out and you want to give him a three-year deal. As long as it's a reasonable salary, I wouldn't be opposed to that either. I think there's plenty of question marks around D'Angelo Russell, but you just have to accept that he's going to be hot and he's going to be cold. There's going to be some good moments. There's going to be some bad 
Yes, it wouldn't be good to lose D'Angelo Russell for nothing, but the Lakers also shouldn't be in a position where they feel like they're so desperate that they have to move him because of that big, scary player option that they have to pay in order to get him off their roster. In no way should they do that for D'Angelo Russell. Goat James said they did try hard tonight, but you can see how many weaknesses we have. Does the Murray deal fix this? Well, that's a great question. Does DeJounte Murray fix the problems that the Lakers have? Well, it should make them better defensively. And I know DeJounte Murray hasn't been great defensively. He was a better defender when he was with the Spurs. But I think what would happen with the Lakers, I think, is he would have less offensive responsibility. He would have, ideally, a top-notch defensive player behind him in Anthony Davis, and that will allow him to be a better defender. Maybe not the guy that he once was, but better defensively than he is on this Hawks team. That would be the hope. So does Murray help you there? Yeah, he does. He helps you there. He's shooting 39% from three right now. I'm scared. I'm worried about that. You trade for DeJounte Murray. He's like a 33, 34% career three-point shooter. I'm worried that Lakers tax would kick in immediately. That his three-point percentage would drop right back down to where he's been over the course of his career, not where he's at this season. And if that happens, then you've got a guy that teams aren't as worried about behind the arc, certainly not as worried about as D'Angelo Russell. He's also not the playmaker D'Lo is. D'Lo's a better passer. He's got just a better feel for the game in that way. So does DeJounte Murray fix everything? No. He helps in some ways. I think he's a very good player. He's very talented. And if nothing else, he gives you some certainty in terms of the contract moving forward. And I think that his contract is going to be a valuable one into the future. Assuming he continues to play at a high level, he's a very, very movable piece for the next four years, potentially, on your roster. He's a player option, I believe, on the final year. So I like the contract. I like the player. I like that you're getting that certainty if you make that swap with D'Angelo Russell. But I don't think just making that swap for DeJounte Murray says, oh, that's it. Lakers are over the top now. Look out, league. Here they come. No. You look at the problems this Lakers team has, there's a few things. They need three-point shooting. I don't know if DeJounte Murray is going to provide that or not. He might, but I don't think he's the shooter D'Angelo Russell is. They need more athleticism in the backcourt. Check. Check that box. DeJounte Murray will give you that. And they need potentially another rim-protecting big. Doesn't help you there. So he checks one box, and he maybe hurts you a little bit in the shooting department. He doesn't fix everything that's going on with this Lakers team. Now, if you're telling me the Lakers have a couple of trades lined up, if you can get DeJounte Murray, and then you could swing another deal somewhere, if you can go get, we heard Dave McMenamin, I believe, had them connected to Andre Drummond, you get a backup big, maybe that's enough to give you a, a bit of a boost. Maybe it would require going and getting, and I don't know that they have enough assets to do it, but go get a DeJounte Murray, and go get Dorian Finney-Smith to help you out with your perimeter defense. Okay, now maybe we're now maybe we're going somewhere, right? Now maybe you're putting enough together to where you can make a real run. The question is, do the Lakers have enough assets to make multiple moves? DeJounte Murray by himself? I don't think that fixes it. I don't think that fixes it. Uh, M. Dredd said, too many empty passes at the end. Lucky clip. Shots, clip shots. Uh, the Clippers were hot. Clippers were hot. That's tough. Joseph said, follow up. It's the physicality, the lack of defense and not getting AD involved towards the end. Come on, D'Lo. 
you know, I have a hard time. I have a hard time because D'Angelo Russell really played a good game. And I liked what we saw out of him today. But at this at the same time, yes, you saw him come up short in the fourth quarter. You saw him come up short in the fourth quarter. You saw the moments where you really needed him to hit a shot and he didn't. But again, you're not anywhere close in the fourth quarter without D'Angelo Russell. So I think that's fair to be a little frustrated with D'Lo at the end. But overall, I thought he played a great game. Again, 27 points, 10 assists. I liked I liked seeing that out of him. All right. I'm going to get back into your questions and comments in just a moment. We still have the master lock of the night. But I do have a guest jumping in. And that is my guy, Mark Gunnels. Mark, how you doing? What's up, man? How you doing? Good to have you on. Uh, Mark, before we get it, we're going to do our, our segment here on uh, on Sleeper in just a moment. What were your thoughts on the game real quick before we get to that? Yeah, I was just in listening backstage. And, you know, uh, D'Lo obviously looked very impressive for me. You know, in the fourth quarter, obviously you want to see him be a little bit more efficient and aggressive there. Um, but, I mean, all in all, you know, without LeBron, you're going against the Clippers team who's, you know, look like one of the top teams in the West right now, you know, as much as we hate to say it. So I, I think they still acquitted themselves very well for the most part. I know there's no moral victories and nobody wants to hear that, but it was a tall task going into this game without LeBron. So I thought they, they acquitted themselves well. You hope that that can translate to when LeBron does come back, obviously, next game. Yeah, I mean, I thought they, they had fight. And they didn't just show up and say, well, we don't have LeBron, so we're not winning. So yeah. I thought that was that was good to see from this team. All right, let's get into uh, our, our sponsor, and that is Sleeper. They have a, a very, very easy-to-use app. You can go over to the App Store with whatever platform you use, and you can download the Sleeper app. Super, super simple. And Mark, you're our betting guy. Let's make a few picks here. Let's put a contest together. Once right. again, everybody, use our promo code LakersNation. You can get a $500 deposit match. That's an instant deposit match of up to $500. Chat, you guys can play along with us. So if you've downloaded the Sleeper app, use that code LakersNation. Let us know what you think as well. Uh, Mark, I'm going to go through here, and I'm going to pick some players, and I want you to tell me more or less on some of these. Uh, let's go with... Oh, let's go with... The future Laker, Donovan Mitchell. He's going to be taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. I kind of like the PRA stat, points, rebounds, and assists. The Bucks just fired their coach. 44 and a half points, rebounds, and assists for Donovan Mitchell. Do you think he gets more or less than that? I'm going to go with more. Um, you know, with the Bucks situation, we know their defense has not been good at all this year. And we know that Donovan Mitchell has the ball in his hands a lot. So I, I think he uh, definitely will get a lot of points and assists. And then he's he's active. You know, he, he'll get some rebounds here and there as well, too. So, yeah, I, I like it there because he's one of those guys where, you know, he on any given night, he can clear that with just points by itself. You, know? you never like, know. I mean, he's capable, right? So, like, when I look at a player like that and the number is that low for the PRA, I kind of tend to go more just because you can get most of that just by scoring. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you 100% there, um, especially with the with uh, the the Bucks and their defense. That's a great point. All right, so Donovan Mitchell, we're going to go more. Let's find another one here. Uh, I'm looking at 
I'm looking at Anthony Edwards, who was frustrated after the Wolves lost their last game. Carl Anthony Towns dropped, dropped 62, and the Wolves embarrassingly lost to the Hornets. So let's go with this. Let's go. Let's stick with that PRA, points, rebounds, and assists. 39 and a half, it's Minnesota against Washington. And obviously there's maybe some blowout concern in that one. How do you see that play? Yeah, that's my only concern there is if they they kind of get out to a big lead and they rest their starters in the fourth quarter because they did just lose the Hornets. You know, I know Cat had yeah. that historic night, but they lost that game. And that's that's a bad loss. So I think they're going to come out very, very angry. So this is kind of a stay away from me only because of that blowout factor, like you mentioned. If I knew for a fact it would be a four-quarter game, then I would love more here, but I got to stay away. Okay, so we'll skip on the on Anthony Edwards there, and we'll let that one go. Uh, what about future Laker, DeJounte <laughs> Murray? DeJounte <laughs> Murray, let's go with, let's stick with PRA. He's been lighting it up lately. 38 and a half, again, with the sleeper app, super easy to check and see what he's done. Now, 38 and a half, he's been just barely under on three of his last four, but he blew that number out of the water in his last game. DeJounte Murray taking on the Golden State Warriors. I love Moore here. I love it. Uh, like you mentioned, last game, he scored 35 by himself. So that basically almost cleared that number. Then he had 10 rebounds and six assists. And like you mentioned, he's been close in previous games. So I think, you know, with all the trade talk, the trade speculation going on, I think guys have a little extra incentive to maybe try to boost their own value to get out of their current situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Warriors, they're a team that's in flux right now with their defense as well. They're a smaller team. Uh, so I can see him taking advantage uh, not only just scoring, but, you know, addition to others and getting in the glass as well. So I like more there a lot. I like it. Mark's going, going more there and let's do, we'll finish this up. We'll do a three pick uh, play on this one. Let's go. Devin Booker Phoenix against Dallas. So this is a big, a big matchup here. This should be a great game. Um, and let's just go the straight points. 27 and a half for Devin Booker. We look at what he's done recently. He's gone under that number three of the last four times, but the time he went over, he went for 52, 27 and a half. He went for 16 last game against Chicago. Kevin Durant got hot late in that one. What are your thoughts there? 27 and a half points against the Dallas Mavericks. This is a tricky one because we know about the whole Devin Booker, Luca rivalry uh -huh. and how those guys really don't like each other. So I think there's a little extra added sauce there. And I think that's why I'm going to go more. I think that's why I'm going to go more, you know, especially since he only scored 16 last game against Chicago. They barely beat them by two points. And, you know, they're on a winning streak right now. And you mentioned he had 52 a few games ago. I, I just think this is going to be a definitely going to be a four quarter game. I don't see it being a blowout. And I think with the whole Luca angle and Luca scored 50 on Phoenix last time they played. I remember that game it was on Christmas night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think he remembers that. So I think Devin Booker puts on a show, at least clears that number. All right, that's where we're at on a $20 entry there. That we'd be at a 5.5x, so your potential payout of $20 would be 110 on that one. Lakers Nation, if you guys are playing along, uh, again, Donovan Mitchell, DeJounte Murray, Devin Booker, we went more, more, more. 44.5 uh, PRA on Mitchell, 38.5 uh, PRA on DeJounte Murray, and 27.5 points 
for Devin Booker. Again, download that Sleeper app. Use our promo code LakersNation. Get a deposit match of up to $500. Great, great deal that they've got there on Sleeper. Super easy to play and a lot of fun. Uh, Mark, always, always fun having you come on here. And uh, one of these days, we'll get you on for, for the whole show. You stick around and we'll do all of our analysis. But at least coming in and doing the betting stuff, we always appreciate your insight. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. All right. Mark, I know he's got a, a young kid to go to go <laughs> tend to. So thank you so much for coming in again, Mark. And best of luck to your Chiefs uh, this coming weekend. I can't wait, man. It should be a fun one. <laughs> All right. There goes Mark Gunnels for Lakers Nation. I always appreciate him coming on. Good guy, Mark is. All right. Let's see what else we've got here in the chat. Actually, you know what? Before we get back to your questions and comments, let's do everybody's favorite segment of the night. And let's do this. Master Lock of the Night. The Master Lock of the Night. What are you putting in the Master Lock from this game? What was the most annoying thing from this game tonight? I've got something in mind. I want to see what you guys have to say. I've got Zen Master says Master Lock Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves on the night. Uh, four, five for 14 shooting, two for eight from three, just 12 points, five assists for Austin. He did say after the game that he has to be much better hitting shots. Uh, he did take um, take the blame on that. Uh, Master Lock Darvin Ham. Leo says Master Lock Ham. Master Lock Reeves defense. Master Lock James Harden's foot. Oh, that's a good one. I hadn't thought about that, but Cam Reddish was defending a James Harden three. Harden kicked his leg out a bit, I believe, trying to get contact. And Cam Reddish comes down on Harden's foot. It turns his ankle. Certainly looked like he was in some pain. Couldn't put his put any weight on it. Uh, Master Lock, Darvin Ham substitutions. Oh, there it is. I knew it was going to be in there. Master Lock, Dylan Brooks. He always get ma gets Master Lock. Whether or not he's actually in the game the Lakers are playing does not matter. Master Lock, Dylan Brooks. I like that one. Uh, Master Lock, Norman Powell. Every time the game gets close. That's Goat James. David said Master Lock fake comebacks. You know what I'm going to go with for this one? You know what really annoyed me? You know what really annoyed me? It's Russell Westbrook, of all things, hitting a three with one shoe on. Because, of course, not only is Russell Westbrook going to have a hot three-point shooting game against the Lakers, three for three. From deep was Russell Westbrook. 16 points in this game. He did blow a bunch of layups. That's that's the same old Russ. But of course, against the Lakers, he's going to hit three for three from deep. And he he can't get his shoe back on. He steps out of his shoe. He couldn't get it back on mid-play. So he plays a possession and a half without a shoe on. And he hits a spot-up three with one shoe. That annoyed me. Because of course that's going to happen against the, against anybody else. That shot is careening off the backboard like Russ is mad at the backboard or something like that against the Lakers, of course. One shoe on, and he hits a three. That annoyed me. That gets my master lock of the night. <laughs> David, shoeless brook. That's a good one. That's a good one. Tina Guzman says ham is the right answer. I don't fault you guys. I don't fault you if you want to say Darvin Ham. Woo. 
Yeah. All right. Let's get into a few more of your questions and comments. Again, appreciate everybody joining me. Always a tough one when the Lakers drop a game, but appreciate everybody coming in here, talking some Lakers basketball afterwards. Uh, Dante. So the Lakers don't have the guts to fire Ham like the Bucks did today. The Bucks fired Adrian Griffin today. Ham is taking us nowhere this year. I think the Lakers, they look and they say, you know what? We got to the Western Conference Finals last year with Darvin Ham. They say, we won the in-season tournament. We made vast improvements after the trade deadline. Maybe that can happen again. Before we let go of a coach, before we commit to paying a coach for two and a half years, that's what would happen if they were to fire him right now. Before we commit to paying a coach for two and a half years to go away, to not coach for us, and who knows who the replacement would be? Is there a great replacement sitting out there on the sidelines ready to come and join the team and take over? That's another question. So before they do that, they're going to see what's going on here with Darwin. They're going to see, can he make this work? They're going to exhaust every last possibility. I will say this. I don't think, I don't think that that's necessarily the correct decision. Unless you're starting to see progress with the rotations, a lot of it depends on what, unless you're seeing progress with the schemes, a lot of it depends on what's LeBron saying. If Rob calls up LeBron, calls up AD, and says, hey, can you guys win with this coach? What's the response? What's the response? That will determine a lot. And I think it should. I think it should determine a lot. But my belief is that if the Lakers go through this season, if they don't get where they want to go, my goodness, if they don't make the playoffs, definitely. But if they are a first-round exit, if they're a plan exit, something like that, and we see the same problems persist. And by the way, this is not a one-year thing. The Lakers were probably a little fortunate last year that their defensive schemes didn't hit them harder. You go back two years, guess who gave up more wide-open threes than any team in the NBA? The Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks, where Darvin Ham was, under the, the Budenholzer system. And, and now here we are with the Lakers giving up more wide-open threes than any team in the NBA with Darvin Ham coaching. It's a scheme thing. It's not a player thing. It's a scheme thing. Unless that kind of stuff gets cleaned up, you've got to make the move. You've got to make the move this summer. And I think Darvin's a good dude. I do. I don't I don't wish ill upon him. I, I don't want this. To, I, I would prefer the schemes improve. They figure some things out. And the Lakers and, and Darvin, and it, it works out great and he's the coach for the next decade. Wouldn't that be great to have the stability of having one coach that you know is the coach and that's the guy? Wouldn't it be great to find that guy? I would love it if that guy was Darvin. That'd be fantastic. But what we're seeing on the floor right now says that's not possible. I hope there's a turnaround. I hope that this stuff improves. But if it doesn't, I think you really got to look at that decision this summer. I think you have to. There's no time to wait. Especially, especially if it's clear that Darwin's not the guy and you want LeBron to pick up that player option for next summer. What kind of a message does it send if you don't make that move? 
Probably not a good one. James Bell said, I'm not delusional. I know he's not perfect, but I'm here for all that says that LeBron is the problem for this team on both ends. LOL, I'll wait. You know what? It it drives me a little crazy too when I see people trying to, to pin it on one person, right? You've got the the West, and it's mostly like the, the player first fans, which I don't have a problem with player first fans in general. It's not how I view the game. And I know that's more of a recent thing, player first fans, but it's people that want very badly to see their guys succeed. And oftentimes that means diminishing somebody else, right? Like Steph Curry fans do everything to try to tear LeBron down because they're Curry fit and they have to be able to say Curry's better than LeBron. So you've got to tear LeBron down in the process. To me, it's not fun. It's just not fun. Like, can't we just appreciate great players? Not fun doing that. But some people like it to each their own. So, yeah, there's people out there that will say LeBron's at fault. Especially you get Darvin Ham defenders will say, oh, it's not really Darvin, it's LeBron. It's all on LeBron. Why are you blaming the coach when it's LeBron's fault? Right? I tend to not want to put a lot of, lot of blame on LeBron because I don't believe that's accurate. Are there moments where it's frustrating when LeBron doesn't get back on defense? Yeah, for sure. Are there moments when it's frustrating when LeBron doesn't close out on a shooter? Yeah. But guess what? He's 39. He's in the discussion for greatest of all time, which by the way, I think ends this LeBron versus Curry discussion. LeBron's in the discussion for greatest of all time at the very worst. At the very worst. If he's not greatest of all time, he's in the discussion. Curry's not. And I don't even care about the about which side wins in that or whatever. But I have a hard time blaming a 39-year-old LeBron James for not flying all over the court defensively every single game. Does he make some mistakes out there? Sure. Are there moments where you wish that he, he pushed down on the gas pedal a little bit? Sure. But we also see big games where he does. We saw in the in-season tournament where he does push down on the gas pedal. You know he can't do it every single night because he's 39 years old. And maybe part of that is me being older. I know how that feels. I know your body gets to a point where you can't do that every single day. You can't push yourself the way that you used to be able to. And so I have a hard time when people say I'm not critical enough of, of, of LeBron James. I don't think LeBron should be expected to set the tone energy-wise, game in, game out. I don't think that should fall on him at 39. Don't think it should. And so that's why I don't tend to criticize. I think LeBron's been really good, all things considered, over the course of the season. But big picture, I think if you're taking any of what's going on here. If you're taking any of the Lakers problems and you're trying to put it on one person, on one particular thing, it's not accurate. It's taken a lot of things to get the Lakers to where they are now, to create the issues that the Lakers have right now. It's taken a lot of things, more than just one person. Now, if we want to divide up that blame pie, does Darvin Ham get a bigger piece than anybody else? Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. But is it just him? No. Is it just LeBron? Is it just AD? Is it just the front office? Is it just Austin Reeves? Just D'Lo? No. It's lots of things combined. 
throw in injuries, throw in the schedule, throw in all kinds of things that you can blame. Ben said, every time I lose, every time we lose, I crank up my PS5 and beat the team a few times and feel much better. Very therapeutic. Well, that's a good thought. It's a good thought. I like that. Whatever you can do to get through the, the stress or the frustration of a loss, it's always a good thing. Ace of Hearts. Austin shouldn't be as untouchable as he is. Is he untouchable? I'm tired of him not showing up from three and fouling three-point shooters. I don't know what's wrong with him. I was frustrated on that three-point foul because we didn't get to actually see the foul or if he even fouled. Austin was upset after the play, didn't feel like he had fouled James Harden on that shot, and TNT didn't give us a replay to show whether or not he actually did. That's certainly frustrating. But as far as Austin being untouchable, he's not. He's not untouchable. He's just not a guy the Lakers are looking to move. That's the difference. Now, you can hear Reeves is off the table in trade talks for DeJounte Murray, and people will turn that into he's untouchable. The Lakers just don't want to move Austin Reeves because they believe, especially on the contract that he's on, that his value is just going to increase, that he's just going to get better. He's going to continue to improve. And therefore, trading him right now doesn't make a lot of sense, especially if you're not getting a true like clear-cut all-star. If you're getting a clear-cut all-star player back, like if, let's say there was a, a trade opened up for Trey Young, would Austin Reeves be off the table? No. No, of course not. If a trade opened up for Donovan Mitchell, would Austin Reeves be untouchable? No. He's not an untouchable player. In fact, there's probably only a handful of untouchable players, period, in the entire NBA. He's not untouchable. He's just not a guy they want to move for what may or may not be an upgrade. They've got him on a really good contract, and that matters a lot too. People who look at what's happening on the floor and they say, oh, D'Lo greater than sign Austin, trade Austin. If their contracts were the same, maybe. Look, if you flipped their contracts, if D'Lo had Austin's contract and Austin had D'Lo's contract, we'd be talking all about Austin Reeves trades. And D'Angelo Russell would be the guy that they wouldn't want to put in a trade. That's where that would be. The contracts matter in this situation. Uh, trading D'Lo would destroy continuity, core, and vibes. Um, in terms of continuity, yeah. You're not going to help continuity by trading away your guys that you were bringing back from last season. The question is, do you need to? Whether it's for a contractual reason, whether it's for an on-court reason. But yeah, you're not going to help continuity. All right. Chris said, I'd rather we keep D'Lo than Reeves. Uh, it's supposed to be a three-man, and he hasn't even been better than Rui. Reeves just overperformed in the playoffs. It's okay to admit LA is soft, not like the Bucks. So, again, I think Austin has had his moments this season. He's had stretches where he was really good. He's also had games where he's not been so good. And he himself said after the game that he was not good shooting the ball in this one, and he has to be better. Um, again, the D'Lo thing, 
is contractual. I, I We literally talked about it the moment the contract was signed. The second the contract came out and it was clear that Keith Smith and I talked about this in the studio in Las Vegas uh, at, at the win during Summer League that the Lakers specifically negotiated out D'Angelo Russell's no trade clause. It was sealed at that point. He was going to be in trade rumors. It's not about what he's doing on the floor. It's about his contract. Uh, Zay said Gabe and Prince for Caruso and Drummond. I mean, done. The Lakers would do that in a second. The Bulls wouldn't. The Bulls wouldn't do that. The Bulls reportedly want at least a first, if not more, for Alex Caruso. But, I mean, I, I would do that in an instant. That would be a, a no-take-backs type trade. That would be a don't hang up the phone. I'm getting the league on the other line right now, and we're putting this through immediately. That's how much of a steal that would be for the Lakers. If you can get one of the best, even if Drummond wasn't in it, if you can get one of the best perimeter defenders as a guard in Alex Caruso, for Gabe Vincent, who hasn't played this season, essentially, and Torian Prince, who's on an expiring contract and may or may not be part of your future, yeah, I, I would do that easy. What does Murray give you tonight that D'Lo can't? Joe asks. Well, the defensive side is certainly different. With D'Lo, with D'Lo to Murray. But, yeah, D'Lo playing like this? I don't I mean, look, Murray has also been, as much as D'Angelo Russell has been great over the last, what, few weeks? DeJounte Murray has also been great over the last few weeks. He's got multiple game winners. He's putting up big numbers. DeJounte Murray's been really, really good. The question is, what's real? Is DeJounte Murray going to continue to play at this level or close to it from here on out? Or is D'Angelo Russell going to continue play at, playing at this level or close to it from here on out? I think there's more of a history of D'Angelo Russell being streaky, being hot and cold. Let's not forget it was, what, like three weeks ago that everybody wanted D'Lo moved because he was awful. He couldn't make shots. He looked like he lost his confidence. It was a big problem. And part of that, by the way, is not on D'Lo. Part of that's Darvin Ham. Set up, you're not hitting some shots, you're going to the bench. With like in like two weeks, Darvin moved D'Lo to the bench and decided to go with that bizarre no guard lineup. It's crazy. But but I think DeJounte Murray is the more consistent between the two. D'Angelo Russell, when you've got D'Lo on your team, you're signing up for the roller coaster. He's going to have good games. He's going to have bad games. He's going to have good stretches. He's going to have a good month. He'll also have a downtime, too. That's part of the D'Angelo Russell experience. Comes with the territory. Ree said, why do the Lakers keep picking the wrong games to sit LeBron? I mean, I don't know. Did they pick this game? Was LeBron's ankle bothering him an extra, an extra bit? And that's why? This game wound up being the one that that he sat out. Maybe they weren't intending to have him sit out. Again, I'm sure the NBA was not happy with them. TNT, nationally televised game. And LeBron James sits out in the big, like the Clippers-Lakers showdown. Yeah, The NBA was not, there's no way they're happy about that. So maybe his ankle was really bothering him. I don't know. But the wrong game to sit LeBron, yeah, in hindsight, you could have sat him against the Blazers and been just fine. But here's my my problem with it, though, is that had 
last week, I'm sorry, last, last time they did this, they sat Anthony Davis against the Spurs. And what happened? They accidentally lost a game against the Spurs. They lost to the Spurs. And then they played AD the next game, I believe it was the Knicks, and they lost that game too. Had you done the inverse, rather than go 0-2, you'd be 1-1. You play AD against the Spurs, you lock in the win that it's you you should get, and then you don't play AD against the Knicks and you lose that game. You're one on one then. Right? If you go this route, where you play him against the weaker opponent, you raise the floor. Your floor is now one and one if you play LeBron against the weaker opponent. That's your floor. It's also probably your ceiling. You're going to lock in that you're going to go one and one of the of those two games. If you don't play him against the Blazers, then you probably still win. And then you play him against the Clippers. Sure. But your floor is now 0 and 2. You don't play him against the Blazers. There's a chance they get hot and they win that game. Again, we saw it against the Spurs. And then you play him against the Clippers. Even if you play well, the Clippers shoot 60% from the field. You might lose that game anyway. Your floor is then 0-2. So that's just another way to look at it. I'm not saying either way is right or wrong, whether you go for the ceiling play and you and you rest him against the worst team or you go for the floor play and you play him against the worst team to try to lock in at least one win in the two-game set. You can make an argument either way, but I think that's how the Lakers look at it. I don't think, uh, I don't think it was necessarily a mistake or the wrong game to rest LeBron. In hindsight, yes. It looks like they probably would have handled the Blazers without LeBron, and he shouldn't certainly could have helped tonight against the Clippers. But you don't know that going in, that that's exactly what it's going to look like. And the last time they did it, it didn't work. Uh, Super dope hip-hop. Austin Reeves, minus 125, worst on the Lakers. Austin Reeves, 35.5% from three, way down from 2022-2023. Yeah, it's like a 5% drop from three. People ask, what's different about Austin Reeves? Why Why is he not as effective? A lot of it is his three-point percentage. He's not hitting the, the deep shot at the same rate. He's still really good exploding to the basket. His finishing percentage at the rim has been really good. He's been very crafty there. He's also getting the free throw line a little bit less than he was before. But where he gets most of his value from is being an extremely efficient offensive player. And so you take some of that away by knocking down his three-point percentage and giving him less free throw attempts, and that's going to be a big hit. It's just like if you have a guy like a Malik Beasley, say, who what he does primarily, 90% of the value he provides is hitting threes, right? That's Malik Beasley. With the Lakers, he wasn't hitting those threes, at least not at a high enough rate. So that took away a lot of his value. Goes to the Bucks. he's suddenly like the best three-point shooter in the league. Go figure. But now he's got a bunch of value because he's shooting so well from three. He derives a lot of his value from that specific thing. With Austin, he gets a lot of his value from being a very efficient offensive player. He's not been as efficient offensively. And again, the defensive concerns are still there. So that's the crux of the issue for Austin. He's not as efficient. If he's hitting his threes at a 40% clip, if he's getting to the free throw line four to five times a game, that makes up for the defensive deficiencies that you've got. If he's not hitting those threes, well, it hurts. It hurts. And we saw that in this one. Tom Tom said offensive foul on George was atrocious and a momentum changer. Yes, I didn't like that call. I thought if Darwin was going to challenge a call, that probably should have been it. 
The Clippers got the ball in play very quickly before Darvin Ham's video staff could let him know whether or not he should challenge it. But I thought that was pretty bad. That was the, the Reeves play there. All right. I appreciate you guys coming in. Thank you guys for joining me. Sean Davis's show, the post-post game show, is going to start in just a moment. Super chats I didn't get to, I will get to on our next show. But again, tough loss for the Lakers. Trade deadline rumors continue to swirl. So if you're not a subscriber to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button right now. That way you get notified. Turn on those notifications too. Get notified. As soon as we put out a new video, we'll break down everything going on on the trade front. You never know this trade deadline. Win a big deal. It's going to happen. Thanks again, everybody, for joining. Hope you have a great rest of your night. Go join Sean Davis over on the post-post game show. He's going to be starting that in just a moment. Till then, everybody, see ya, and stay safe. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.